0: Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Have you ever considered how small things can have a really large impact? Uh, As a kid, I used to love playing with dominoes. And uh, one of the fun things to do with dominoes is to line them all up in a row and just hit that first domino and then see all the rest go down. In fact, if you get onto YouTube, just in July, the world record was set for dominoes in a spiral. Uh, A group of people lined up 275,000 dominoes. And you just hit the one domino, it takes about 10 minutes to watch, Uh, uh, just to see them all go down. It's, It's called the domino effect. One little action followed by a similar action and another one And then over time, this exponential impact from something small that has a big impact. Uh, Some of you science students may have heard of something called the butterfly effect. Anyone heard of the butterfly effect? It's this idea that a change of state in one area could have an effect in another area, maybe even at a later time. Could it be possible that a hurricane on one part of the globe has been affected by the small flapping of a butterfly's wings in an Amazon jungle somewhere two weeks earlier? It's an interesting theory about the potential impact in an ecosystem of a small action that can actually affect many, many more things. Another example would be the snowball effect. We don't see a lot of snow around here in Melbourne. I grew up in Oregon and a lot of snow every winter and a small snowball going down a hill can gain momentum, gain more snow, and eventually have a large impact. We can think of a fire. I brought my redheads today. I love my redheads. I used to be a redhead just think of a a small flame, very, very tiny, very seemingly insignificant. But we all know that a small flame, a small spark can end up creating a large fire. So small things can have a large impact. And Jesus understood this. And Jesus also understood the tendency in human nature to think of ourselves as insignificant. I mean, you look at the world, you look at the news and you think, what difference could I make? Uh, what, what, how, how can I matter in, in such a big world with so many complex problems? And so Jesus understood the tendencies of, of individuals to think that they really can 't do anything significant, and so he regularly motivated people to see themselves as, yes, you may only be one person, but one person can have an impact on the world. One person can make a difference. And when God wants to change something in the world, he does it through people like you and like me. And we see this in many parts of Jesus' teaching. We're going to look at Matthew 5 today, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most well-known sermons. And in Matthew 5, verses 13, he says this, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can it be made salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then sticks it it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out. For all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus takes two examples from the everyday world of his hearers. Two very small things. Salt. Uh, I grabbed our salt shaker from the kitchen this morning. And it's interesting. You you just get a little salt and it's so tiny. You can hardly see it. I mean, a grain of salt is only about a millimeter in size. But, But salt can have a big impact. Put a bit of salt on a bland uh, dish and suddenly it comes alive. It's flavored, it's enhanced. Uh, In the old days when there was no refrigeration, you could put salt on uh, food or meat and it would preserve it from decay for a long time. Such a small thing, a grain of salt, but great potential impact. And Jesus says, you're just like that. He takes a second example. Remember, they didn't have electricity in those days. So uh, when the sun went down, it was totally dark unless you lit a light, lit a candle. And so Jesus says, you are not only the salt, you are the light. You are the light of the world. Something not very large, not very small, but if we turned all the lights out here today, it was very dark. How many know the darker it is, the more the light influences the environment? Sometimes we want our light to shine brighter. You know how to get your light to shine brighter? Move to a darker place move to a darker place, and you'll be amazed how impacting your life can have. You know, when there's lots of light around, we may not see how we need the individual impact. And so, so Jesus chooses two small things, salt and light. And he says, you are like the salt. You are like the light. You may see yourself as just one person. But really what he's saying is, I've called you to be an influencer. And today we want to start a three-part series called Influencer. Every one of us in this room, God has called you to be salt and light, which is about influencing the world around about you. There's lots of ways to influence. You can influence just through encouraging somebody, just coming around them and bringing out their potential and maybe asking them some questions, coaching them, and we'll talk about that next weekend. Uh, you can be an influence through being a voice, just through speaking up. I mean, how many know there's a lot of stuff in the world that's not right? It's wrong. How's it going to get right? Well, God wants people like you and I to speak up to to do something about what we see. Unfortunately, the silent majority often influences the fact that things don't change that really should change. And in two weeks' time, we'll be talking about how we can speak up for things like justice, which is very near the heart of God. Today, I want to talk about how we can influence through leading. Uh, Now, I wonder what you think about when you hear the word lead Or leader or leadership. What do you think about when you hear those words? Uh, There are many definitions of leadership. Uh, Example here would be a military leader, Bernard Montgomery, once said, Leadership is the capacity and will to rally men and women to a common purpose and the character that inspires confidence. That's a well-known definition of leadership. Harry Truman, an American president, once said, A leader is a person who has the ability to get others to do what they don't want to do and like it. (laughs) It's a very interesting definition of leadership. Uh, I said in the other meeting, it sounds a bit like parenting, doesn't it? (laughs) Getting kids to do what they don't want to do and like it. Uh, Napoleon, another well-known leader, said, A leader is a dealer in hope. I really like that. What are you dealing? A leader is a dealer in hope. We live in a world that desperately needs hope. And so we to go through many different definitions and opinions about leadership. The main problem with all these definitions and with what comes to our mind when we hear the word leader is we often think of a title or a position. Uh, We think of the prime minister or the senior minister or a CEO or a manager or a supervisor or a pastor. When we hear the word leader, we often think of a title or a position. And that's one aspect of leadership. But do you know what? Leadership is much broader than having a title or having a position. I believe at its very core, leadership is about influence. It's about influencing other people. And Jesus wants every one of us to be like Solomon and light. He wants us to influence the world around about us. And that's what I believe leadership is. Every one of you in the room today are influencing somebody. Every one of you. The question is not, are you influencing? The question is, what kind of an influence are you? Every one of us in this room are being influenced by other people. The question is, what kind of an influence are they having on us? And so all of us influence, all of us are influenced, and the truth is, we need, everywhere in the world, there's a need for more and better leaders. Have you noticed that? We need more and better leaders in government, in business, in education, in the church. Actually, the world is crying out for better leaders. And and there seems to be a bit of a shortage. And sometimes we get people wanting to lead for the wrong reasons. They just want a position or they want to rule over people. The other problem is we get a bunch of people thinking, I could never lead and actually holding back from the influence Jesus is calling them to. I think we have a lot of myths when it comes to the area of leadership. The first myth I think we've got to bust today is that only a few people are called to be leaders. It's a common misconception. Many people, many Christians think only a few people are called to lead. True, some people have a gift of leadership, some people will have positions of leadership, but every one of us are called to lead and influence in some sphere, in some environment, in some dimension notice Jesus didn't say okay Peter you're the salt didn't say that did he he didn't say okay James you're the light everyone come on let's fan James let's keep James burning (laughs) Jesus didn't say to one or two you're the influences he said you and the Greek for you is plural you all see God's really a southerner you all (laughs) you're a bit slow this morning Jesus says, you all, every one of you are salt. Every one of you are light. What is he saying? Every one of us are called to lead and to influence. It's not like, well, Peter will do it, or James will do it, or Mark will do it. It's the leaders with the title. No, every one of us are called to lead and to influence in some sphere within our world. To influence means to proactively affect the atmosphere around about us. God doesn't want us to be a thermometer. How many know thermometers react to the environment? If it's hot, what does a thermometer do? It comes up to match the temperature. If it's cold, a thermometer comes down. A thermometer reacts to the environment. God wants us to be thermostats. How many know what a thermostat is? If the room's cool, what does a thermostat do? You can actually warm the room up. If things are a little heated, a thermostat can cool it down. God wants you to be someone who proactively affects the atmosphere wherever you are. That's what it means to be salt and to be light in our world. But if we see leadership as just for the few, then we'll limit ourselves in the influence we can have. I was like this for many years. I grew up in church and there was lots of leaders and I didn't see myself as ever being a leader. In fact, it was at the age of 18. Some of you have heard my story. Age of 18, I was... You know, volunteering in youth group, playing in the band and uh, doing, doing a bit of study and work. And if you said the word leader, that, that wasn't something that I saw related to myself. And I remember having a lunch once with a leader in the church. Ken Molman was his name and he took me out to lunch. And somewhere in the lunch he said something like this. He says, Mark, you're, you're a good young man and we see God's hand on your life. You've got great potential. We, we see God's called you to be a leader. No one had ever put that word in my head. And I remember leaving that lunch feeling about a foot taller than I already was. (laughs) Leader, leader, you know. Uh, It didn't happen immediately, but something changed in my thinking about myself. And I would describe myself as a reluctant leader. I wasn't putting my hand up saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. I needed other people to kind of encourage me and push me along. But it started with a mindset change that realized leadership's not just for the few, but every one of us are called to lead in our own unique way. I wonder whether some of you here today need a change of thinking about how you see yourself. Leadership is not just for the few. A second myth we need to bust is that you have to have it all together in order to be a leader. A lot of people think this. When I get everything together in my life, then just maybe I could lead. And many people are reluctant to lead because they think I don't know enough. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough confidence. And so they feel inadequate. And therefore, they hold back from seeing themselves as a leader for God. Can I give you a little bit of an inside tip? I've been leading in a variety of areas for over 30 years. I still feel inadequate. Still feel inadequate. I was praying yesterday for this weekend, going, God, help me. And, and that's actually a good place to be. In fact, if you don't feel inadequate, you're probably a dangerous person to become a leader. Because great leaders are dependent on God. <laughs> they're, they're not confident in their own strength and can end up doing a lot of damage. And, and so don't, don't think that your feelings of inadequacy. Look at many of the Bible leaders. So many of them didn't feel qualified. They didn't feel adequate. And so don't think you've got to have it all together in order to be a leader. Uh, Sometimes I encourage people to take a piece of paper and just draw a line down the middle and on the left side, write down all the qualities you think a leader should have. Most people will write things like uh, caring and visionary and a person of integrity and a good communicator and passion. But you know, the longer the list gets, the more you feel inadequate because it's like, wow, there's the ideal leader. I don't have that, 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 that. But the interesting thing is when you get your long list of everything you think a leader should have, on the other side, write down many of the great leaders of history and compare the lists. And you'll find that no leader had all those qualities. I mean, most people would say a leader needs to be a good communicator. Anyone heard of Moses? (laughs) Moses would be one of the greatest leaders in Bible times. But you know what? He studied In fact, he had Andrew do the not Andrew, Aaron. Just checking. (laughs) He had Aaron do the talking for him. Great leader, wasn't a very good communicator. You would think to be a leader, you've got to be passionate about leading. Anyone heard of Jonah? Nineveh's that way. He's going that way. Jonah wasn't really that excited about. Doing what God had called him to do. Uh, most of you on your list would have relational skills, high relational skills as a quality of leadership. Anyone heard of Paul and Barnabas? They had such a heated argument, they went separate ways. Sorry, Paul, you can't have all those books in the Bible now. You, you, had, a, you had a conflict. What I'm trying to say is, we can have all these ideals of what a leader should be, and they can actually intimidate us from seeing that we can lead just as we are. In fact, I've discovered the very act of leading puts you in an environment where you can grow incredibly. I've grown and changed and developed character just by getting in the arena of seeking to be salt and light and to influence others. It's an opportunity to grow. Don't see that you have to have it all together, that you've got to be perfect. Before you can be an influence for God. In fact, uh, some of you would have heard this uh, funny little uh, um, analogy that was put together many years ago. And it was some, uh, a bit of a fictional feedback to Jesus in his selection of his 12 disciples. And it goes like this. To Jesus, son of Joseph, from the Jordan Management Consultant Firm. By Dr. Fred Mueller. Dear Jesus, we'd like to thank you for submitting the resumes, uh, resumes of the 12 men you picked for the management positions in your new organization. They've all taken our battery of tests, and each of them has a, had a personal interview with our psychologist and our vocational aptitude consultants. Uh, it is our opinion that most of your nominees lack the background education and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They don't have a team concept. And we would recommend you continue your search for persons of experience and managerial ability and proven capability. Simon Peter, for example, is emotionally unstable (laughs) and is given to fits of anger. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude. That will definitely undermine the interest, undermine the morale of the entire group. We feel it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. And James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, have radical leanings and both register high on the manic-depressive scale. One of your candidates only, Jesus, however, shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness. He meets people well. He has contacts in high places. He has a keen business mind. He's highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. And so we heartily recommend Judas Iscariot (laughs) as your controller and right-hand man. All of the other profiles are self-explanatory. Interesting who Jesus picked. J. Oswell Sanders in his classic book *On leadership says, when Jesus selected leaders... He ignored every popular idea of his day and ours about the kind of person who would fit the role. His disciples were untrained and seemingly without much influence, a motley crew to bring about world change. But he saw something in them that no one else did. And under his skillful hands, they emerged as leaders that would shake the world. Qualities are important, traits are important. But don't buy into the lie that God couldn't use you just as you are right now. In fact, leading gives you an opportunity to grow and to change. Uh, Another myth about leadership today that I think is worth talking about is some people think to be a leader, you've got to have an extrovert personality. You've got to be diligent. Come on! We see leaders who are maybe loud and vivacious and we think, okay, that's the persona of a leader and you go, oh, that's not really me, so I can't lead. Did you know there's no direct connection between personality type and the effectiveness of a leader? Peter was probably an extrovert. There are many other people in the Bible who are more introverted, more quiet, Uh, Extroversion and introversion is just a random way to look at personality And uh, it's something that's gaining a lot of interest in our world today Let me just give you a brief general view of the difference between extroverts and introverts And as I read these uh, characteristics, again, I don't want to stereotype But just as I read them, have a think about yourself and those that you know Here's a, a bit of a list Extroverts, on the one hand, enjoy being with people Introverts enjoy time alone. It doesn't mean introverts don't like people or enjoy people. It's just they'd probably rather be with two or three people in in in-depth conversation than in a room with a thousand people with everyone talking really loudly. Uh, My wife Nicole and I, when we first got married, one of our biggest arguments on a weekend was, uh, I would like to stay until every person has left the church building and the lights are going out, when Nicole was happy to leave during the last song didn't mean she didn't like people but she'd rather have a, a deep catch up with a few people than have hundreds of people just do a little hi how are you great good see you next week hi how are you how are you? I wonder which way you are wired. Do you get energized by lots of people and lots of activity, or do you more enjoy those intimate moments with a few people? Extroverts like the center stage, they like the lights. Introverts, uh, in contrast, uh, shun the limelight. Doesn't mean they're shy, but they're, they're not really looking for attention. Extroverts talk more, introverts talk less. Extroverts talk fast and loud introverts tend to talk a little slower and maybe a little bit more quietly. Again, this can be deceptive because sometimes a, a louder person can be an introvert and sometimes a quieter person can be an extrovert. It d- d- depends on what they're energized by when it comes to environments. Extroverts interrupt and finish other people's sentences for them. I'm a little bit like this. Quit talking while I'm trying to interrupt. Interrupt. Uh, introverts, in contrast, start conversations without a preface. In other words, they don't like 10 minutes of small talk about the weather and the color of your hat. And, no, no, they like to get into something a bit more meaningful. Extroverts jump from one subject to another. Introverts tend to stay on one subject. Some of you are seeing people's faces right now. No elbows, please, this morning. Extroverts prefer verbal communication. Introverts prefer written communication. Extroverts have an enthusiastic demeanor, while introverts are a little bit more calm and measured. Extroverts are more animated. Introverts are more reserved. Extroverts are easily distracted. Oh, there's a bird. (laughs) Only kidding. Introverts are able to focus their attention more. Extroverts act first and think later. Introverts are more cautious and hesitant. Again, just generalizations, that's really a continuum. And you may be up one end or up the other end or somewhere along. Or You may be in the middle, and if you're in the middle, you're an ambivert. That's your Reader's Digest word of the day. An ambivert is a person who can work between either end. Uh, Nicole's probably a little bit more introverted, but she loves people. She can get up and talk to thousands of people, but she enjoys those more intimate conversations. I'm a little bit more extrovert. I can talk and catch up, but I also need solitude. A few weeks ago, I took a three-day retreat and just went to a retreat center and walked and prayed and read, and that's energizing for me. I come back fresh and ready to engage with people. So we're all a little different. We're all at different places on the continuum, but the interesting thing is we live in a world where extroversion is almost worshipped as the thing that's needed for leadership. There's a book that's come out recently by Susan Cain, and it has a great title. It's called Quiet, and the subtitle is The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. I like that. Uh, if you are interested in learning a bit more about this, there's a, a great website called TED.com. TED meaning T for technology, E for entertainment, D for design. And they have these little 20-minute talks of some of the leading thinkers. And Susan Kane did a talk on there a few years ago that's really had an impact. And she starts with a funny story. She, she's an introvert. She grew up in a family of introverts. In fact, their favorite pastime on a Friday night was to all sit around the living room and read books together. And at the end of the night, they would go, that was a fun night. (laughs) And so she talks about going to her first high school camp. She packs all her clothes and her bag of books, thinking all the the girls are going to sit around the campfire and read books. She discovers that they're a rowdy bunch, and she starts to think, maybe there's something wrong with me. And she tries to become an extrovert in the stress that, that creates. Well, fast forward, she's done a major study on this and some great insights. She talks about in the 19th century, when it comes to leadership, people looked for character when they were looking to choose a leader. In the 20th century, we now look for personality. We grab a personality, we think that's what's needed to be a leader. Now, personality is important, but extroverts, yes, they can lead well. But if we're not careful, we create an environment that's noisy and loud. And if you're a little quieter, a bit more reflective, then you think, well, I can't really lead. She goes on to say that some of the greatest thinkers, some of the greatest creative people, some of the best leaders are a little bit more on the introvert side. In the workplace, if you've got a manager who's a bit more of an introvert, they will tend to draw out everyone else's opinions and they will listen and they will lead really collaboratively. Where an extrovert sometimes can just come in and we're doing this and we're doing that and not really listen to the team. And so we need extroverts and introverts. Both of them are important. And it's really about what's on the inside, not the volume or the personality. Have you noticed that the salt and the light have been very quiet this morning? It's no noise. The influence is not in the noise; it's in the potency within that particular object. And so, don't think to be a leader, I've got to become like them. God can use you just as you are. Your personality, your shape. Leaders come in all shapes and sizes. It's not about personality. It's not about gender. You know, some uh, some of the best leaders are women. Ladies, I would have expected a lot more love. (laughs) A lot more love at that moment. It's true. Uh, Some of our female pastors and department ministry leaders are fantastic. In the workplace, some of the best managers are women. They're more relationally wired. And uh, we're a church at City Life that loves to see men and women lead together. Uh, and so women can lead really, really well. Uh, it's got nothing to do with personality, gender, age. You know, it's amazing what young people can do, the influence they can have. And you're never too old to still be leading. I was thinking of Richard Holland this morning. Deborah and I grew up in the youth group here. And Richard passed away a few years ago at the age of 89. He was no longer the senior minister, he no longer had a title. You know what? He was influencing people right to his last breath. Never too old to to, to be influencing and being salt and light wherever you are. So don't don't allow some of these stereotypes to hinder you. Uh, A a final myth is that some people think it's not really worth the hard work it takes to be a leader. let's be honest, uh, uh, being a leader is extra responsibility. You've got to think of yourself, not just others. I often talk to young marrieds when they have their first child and as I'm chatting about how's it going, how's parenting and how's the baby sleeping, somewhere in there I'll go, I bet you're appreciating your mum and dad a bit more right now. And they nod really quickly. See, it's one thing to be in a family where mum and dad do everything. When you suddenly become mum and dad, your whole perspective changes. One thing to be on a team, a sports team, and you just rock up and play. Another thing to lead the team now There is extra responsibility when you become a leader. There's extra pressure. You're vulnerable to criticism. I mean, you could just grow a beard and everyone's got an opinion about your beard. Someone came up last night and said, I look like Charlton Heston. Someone else said, I look like Papa Smurf. It's just, it's the cost. It's the price of, of leadership. And so, yes, leading is hard work. But could I say this? The rewards outweigh the hard work. Now, you talk to any parent, I haven't talked to any parent that says, you know, we thought of taking the baby back to the hospital and saying we'd like a refund. We decided not to. Yeah, look, it's, it's hard. But, but the rewards of impacting someone else's life far outweigh uh, the, the, the responsibility that comes with it. In our final few moments, let me just talk a little bit about what leaders do. Because I think, I think you can learn to lead. I learned to lead by watching other leaders and having mentors. Or I learned by getting training, but you learn a lot just by actually being an influence. I remember for years I was playing in the worship team and then I was asked to lead the worship team and I did that for about five years as a volunteer and I I learned a lot just by the act of leading others. And So I just want to share a final few thoughts with you from uh, just a little phrase that Paul said. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, uh, Paul understood leadership, he understood influence, he would have heard Jesus teaching and he says this, Follow me, as I follow Christ. Would you say that phrase with me this morning? Follow me as I follow Christ. It's a simple sentence, but it's packed with insights about what it means to lead and to influence others. Three insights for you today. Number one, leaders have a sense of direction. Notice Paul is following Christ. The best leaders are also the best followers. He's following Christ. Christ is his vision. He's looking at Jesus. He's looking at the heart of Jesus and what Jesus wants for the world. And so leading is about having a vision, a picture of a better future than exists right now. And so if you thought about the world a year from now, and if the world was better, what would be better? What would you like to see change? What do you think Jesus would like to see happen in our world? Maybe for you, the picture has a lonely person finding community. Maybe for you, it's a hungry person that's got a meal now. Maybe for you, it's someone that's hurting that's now been healed. Maybe for you, it's something that's chaotic and disorganized and it's now in order. Or it's something that's boring and bland and it's now creatively and engagingly presented. What do you want to see changed? Another good question is, what makes you angry? What makes you angry can be an insight to the change God wants you to bring into our world. And so all of us need a sense of direction, of vision, seeing Jesus, seeing what difference he wants to make in this world. That's the first part of leadership. Number two is leaders lead by example. The word follow in the Greek there, follow me, literally means imitate me. Look at my life and Copy what I do. Be who I am. And so although leaders don't need to be perfect, we need to be the change that we want to see in our world. Uh, often when I'm teaching leaders, I do a little example, and I uh, did this illustration back in June with our Inspire conference. So I'll, get, I'll do it with you this morning. Two, two quick questions. Number one, think of the person who's had the most positive impact on your life to this time. If you can't think of anybody, choose Jesus. Just get that person. I don't want to know their name. Second question is, why did you choose them? So, number one, think of the person who's had the most positive impact on your life. Number two, why did you choose them? I don't want to know the name of the person, but I want to hear you uh, call out uh, the reason why you chose that person. So I'm going to start with this section. Uh, give me a couple of things. Okay. <laughs> You're not all introverts. You can say it softly, but come on. Tell me, tell me why you chose that person. Exemplary. 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 Organized. Organized. Kind. 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 Truth. 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 Truthful. Honest. Okay, this section. Caring. Caring integrity. Reliable. Instance, consistency. consistency. Balcony. Up here. Loudness, that's good, yeah. <laughs> Courage, let me come down here. Come on, work with me. Truth, truth. 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 Passion, passion, purpose, purpose. Have faith, in me. Fa- faith in you. Now yeah, we're moving. <laughs> Character, confidence over here. Consistent, Consistent. Consistent. honest on, on the balcony. Love. Love. Loving, genuine. genuine. Okay, let's pause there. Lunch is coming. Notice what people didn't say. No one said they were an amazing preacher. Which is really disappointing. No one one ever says it. Um, No one said they had phenomenal Bible knowledge. Nothing wrong with Bible knowledge, but no one mentioned it. In fact, no one mentioned any talent at all except organized. We had one organized person there. Most of the other words were about character qualities. Honest, encouraging, believed in me, had passion, were an example. You just told me that the number one person influencing your life positively, it was who they were that had the greatest impact. Now, preaching is good. Amen. Um, Bible knowledge is good. Talent is good. But we often focus on knowledge and skill. And we miss the fact that who we are will have our greatest impact. You can be very talented, very knowledgeable. But, but you're not going to influence people if you're not being the example to them. And, and what's really encouraging is there's not one word there that you cannot do. It's not you go, oh, encouraging people, that's just too hard. Being kind, oh, I just couldn't do that. <laughs> There's not one word there that you cannot do in your life. And if we would all just do those things, guess what? We will influence others in a positive way. Leaders lead by example. And finally, number three, leaders initiate change. Paul says, come on, follow me. We're we're not where we need to be. Christ is there. He's got this vision for his kingdom to come. Come on, we need to get moving. Yes, I want to be an example, but we've got to translate that into action. We've got to do something to bring God's kingdom into our world. And so all of us can learn to lead. Here at City Life, our mission is to be fervent followers, disciples of Jesus, who are reaching out and impacting. You could use the word influence. We're influencing communities, cities, and nations. We want to be salt. We want to be light. We want to be influencers wherever we are. Many of you are doing that. Thank you. It includes being an influencer at home, in our neighborhood, our workplace, and at church. Thank you for many of you who are serving. Thank you for many who who are leading already. I appreciate that. But I really believe today some of us, God's wanting a, a, a switch in our heart to take place. Maybe you've been coming along and you've been receiving. God's saying it's time for you to start giving. Maybe you've been consuming. God wants you to start contributing. Maybe you've been following. God's wanting you to start leading. Because if we just keep doing what we're doing, we'll have the same impact, the same influence. We need more people to step up, to serve, to lead, if we want the impact of the church to grow. I just want to encourage you. Maybe God's wanting you to step up and to see yourself as a leader. You know, one of the the simplest things. Uh, groups to lead is, is something we call a life group. Uh, we've got hundreds of life groups, and uh, I, I believe w- w- we, we would benefit by seeing many, many more started. And there's lots of different groups. They do different things. I lead a life group of business people, and we meet for breakfast, and it's real easy. All we do is eat, <laughs> and then we share. We go around the room. We've got eight business guys. We don't sing. You don't want eight guys around a table singing. We don't sing. It's not a church service. We eat and then we share. We start like this. Every one of us takes five, six, seven minutes and says, this is how I'm going personally. This is how my family's going. And this is how my work's going. Sometimes that takes the whole meeting. And we're done and we pray for each other. And I look forward to that time because it's not just me talking or doing all the work. In fact, the best life group leaders don't talk all the time. They create an environment where other people talk and relate. And so maybe you've never seen yourself as a leader. Hey, how about stepping up, leading? Even Gary Ablett's in a life group. Watched the footy show the other week. Gary Ablett goes to a life group every week where he shares with some guys, reads the Bible together. We're going to show you the clip, but Channel 9 wouldn't let us, but I've told you about it. Man, I reckon everyone. Uh, That's a great environment to learn to lead. Uh, imagine if every one of us just simply realized that being salt and being light is not just for a few people every one of us are called to influence right where we are and you can do it let me pray for you father today we look at the world and in many ways the world is heading in the wrong directions there are many things that are wrong many things aren't as you want them to be and Jesus, you you want that to change, but you bring about change through people. And just as you spoke to your disciples 2,000 years ago and said, you're the salt, you're the light. Lord, that's what you want us to be today. Break those mindsets that would say someone else can do it, someone else can lead, someone else can influence. And today, turn a light on in each one of our hearts to realize I can't be someone else, but I can be me. And you can use me wherever I am this week to be a proactive influence with kingdom values wherever I go. Help us to step up and see an increase of our influence as a church. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Next actions, next steps for some of you. It's getting baptized today. Now, that's your step for today. When the meeting's done in just a moment, baptism, that, that's your step. And maybe for some of you, it's just going out to the week and going, hey, I'm at work and I'm on a team, but they're looking for a team leader. Uh, maybe I haven't seen myself, but maybe it's stepping up to lead. Maybe you've been going to a life group and then someone else is leading and, and you're sitting there all the time. Maybe it's you going, hey, yeah, look, I will assist. Or maybe it's going back there speaking to one of our pastors and say, yeah, I could do breakfast and a sharing time. I could do breakfast and sharing. I, I, I could lead a group like that. Uh, we'd love to see dozens, dozens more uh, groups start just doing life together. And so, what, what's your next step today? Pray that you'll take that and we'll see an increase in our influence for the kingdom of God. Everyone said amen? Amen. amen. Come on, give Jesus a big clap this morning. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.